Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition, Saturday edition of Hattrick Sports Talk. I'm here along with Brandon. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. Just sat through, what, like six hours of watching grown men kick each other in the shins? And women as well. Um, one. One fight. I think there was one. Yeah, the, the Watterson yeah. fight. As you yeah. can tell, we are talking about UFC 249, which just finished up in Jacksonville, Florida. And we're doing our own post-show for the fights. Let's it get won't started. be very long, but it'll be very yeah. filled with opinions. Yes, we have a lot to get to here on the post-show. All right, so let's get started. You can see my screen, correct? All right, we're on the UFC's website looking through these fights. We start, actually, before we start with the fights themselves, what was your thoughts on the no crowd, like, atmosphere? Did you like it? So, I think it worked better than it works with WWE. Can you uh, compare, the, can you talk about the, that difference? Because I think that's really interesting. So, one of the problems that I find with w, with wrestling, professional wrestling without having a fan base there is that so much of the atmosphere is built in professional wrestling from the fans. Yeah. I don't get that with UFC. I think with UFC, a lot of the fans are there just to heckle or yell or whatever. And it doesn't really, it adds to the big fights, you know, but um, I thought it was a little strange at times, not having fans being like, Oh, for when like you had, crazy 20 second knockouts or... i mean the the uh, i mean the announcing crew of joe rogan and uh dc and john anik really gave you that anyway yeah but like with that with wrestling it's just awkward without fan base there it's the camera work too for that yeah. is much more awkward they had to they had to figure it out it took them a while to figure it out for the first couple weeks so yep Okay, so now let's get started with the fights. We just finished up watching Justin Gaethje completely obliterate Tony uh, Ferguson. Well, I don't know if I'd say obliterate, but, like, the only reason I'd say it wouldn't be obliteration is because Tony Ferguson apparently has, like, not even a stone chin. It's, like, a granite chin. I know. Like, he keeps he kept getting just slammed, and I was like, dude, how are you not out cold? I know, right? But here's my problem with this fight. I had a massive issue throughout the, throughout the entire fight. Okay. I sat there going from, from – they didn't even get to this until the fourth round, the corner, and I was like, are you guys nuts? This is Justin Gaethje. What is Justin Gaethje known for? Why is he called the highlight? He's a stand-up fighter. Yes, yeah. he can wrestle, but he's a stand-up guy, and he's obviously going to go, especially early on, 110%. Now, obviously – his corner, his corner with, um, yeah, no, but his corner was like, oh, like chill out, like go ten percent lower, right? For good reason, because because when he keeps going hundred percent, he's probably going to get knocked out or something's going to happen because this is Tony Ferguson. Right. But from the opening bell, if you're Ferguson in his corner, you have to be like, we got to get this guy to the ground, and we got to well, get yeah, this guy to the ground fast. Yeah, I had there were a couple moments where I was I was watching them. And Tony Ferguson had him – had to me, he had a couple really good opportunities to rush him and just take him to the fence and take him to the ground, you know? 
Um, if I was Tony Ferguson and I was just getting swung at the whole time, if this dude's going like this with his hands up here and he's leaving his torso exposed, freaking spear him. Like, just take him to the ground. ground. Yes. Don't let him keep swinging at your head. I don't get why that wasn't like, that didn't click until like the fourth round. Like, why? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And you know Khabib is out there in Russia going, oh my God, I'm going to find a way to take this guy to the ground and it's over. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's Khabib just, is going to clinch him and put him in a submission and it's going to be done. Like, I know Gaethje's a pretty good wrestler, but he's not the kind of wrestler that Tony Ferguson is or yeah. to a much you know, higher degree Khabib is. It, it, like, he's sitting yeah. there going, this is easy. Khabib's probably sitting in Russia going, ha, I got lucky on that one. Like, well, not just that. I think that Tony Ferguson and Khabib would have been a much, like, yeah, in terms of a matchmaking perspective, a much even more even matchup than this. But again, like, we didn't get it. We're probably never going to get it at this yeah. point. But it's also, also, I think it's just way more likely that uh, Dana White will strip Khabib of the title uh, and just have Gaethje fight someone yeah. for the actual title. Which would be Connor, probably. Which, um, I'd be down with seeing Connor uh, kick the crap out of Gaethje. I think, I think Gaethje and Connor would be such a stand and bang fight. It oh, would God. be a lot more entertaining, I think. Yeah, except I feel like Connor can hit just a little bit harder than. I don't know about that. Gaethje, Gaethje has intense power. Yeah. Hmm. Um, all right. So, Henry Cejudo, Dominic Cruz. Uh, let's get to the stoppage first. We both agree that the stoppage was terrible because he was clearly getting up. Yeah, I Cruz usually was. don't agree with rest- with uh, fighters when they're like arguing after a stoppage, like, oh, I was getting up or whatever. In this case, the man was definitely getting up. He was rising on his own power. Yes, he was getting like little gnat punches from Mini-Me over here in Sejudo, Su- but... But like he was, he was getting up. I was shocked when they stopped the fight because, I mean, you know. Yeah, and then uh, on top of that, of course, I think the biggest story of this fight is that Cejudo decided to hang him up, and decided yeah. to retire. Which, I mean, look, I, I have a, I have a little thing with Cejudo in terms of, and the way Cejudo is perceived in the MMA community. Yes, winning an Olympic gold medal is an achievement. And it's a huge deal, and it does add to his legacy, but it doesn't make him the greatest fighter of all time. Like, I don't sit here after this fight going, yeah, he's the great. He's the GOAT. I don't. And I think that's what he wanted. But if he was going to be the GOAT, he would have to win this fight, which he did. I honestly think that Cruz should fight him again if he ever comes back, because this fight's... I, I think we need a rematch of this. But to be the greatest of all time, I think you really have to have a solid UFC resume. And in terms of him being the champion, I think this was only what is second or third title defense. Whatever. Yeah. It, 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 the Olympic gold medal doesn't offset everything that you didn't do in the UFC. Well, and like, yes, it's great for him that he had both the flyweight and the bantamweight at one point. Right. But like he quickly lost the flyweight either. I don't know if he dropped it or if it was. They, it, they made him drop it because yeah. the flyweight division is basically over. But again, we're living in the two, the two belt era, the super fight right. era. So everyone who's good has two belts. 
Everyone yeah. who's up to the so, goat level has two belts. That's not really saying anything to be like, oh, I have two belts, especially when one of them is basically a dead division. Right. Um. So I, I think Sahudo. So I think he actually hurt his his legacy by basically by first of all winning a pretty crappy decision fight against yeah. the undisputed goat of the, in the bantamweight. In that division, yeah. And like, he, I don't, I don't care what anyone says. I don't care about you, Cejudo. I don't care about your shit talk. I don't care about anything. To me, Dominic Cruz will, from now to the future, until somebody legitimately comes around who shows they are way more dominant, will be the best bantamweight of all time. It's, it is saying something when you look at Cejudo's legacy that he was never the greatest at one division, right? Dem- Demetrius Johnson, no matter that Cejudo beat him, Demetrius Johnson's the right. greatest flyweight of all time. And Dominic Cruz, that was what? Again, his first couple tire defenses at Bantamweight, I believe this might have been his first one. Like, it doesn't it, – it's yeah. not living up to the level of Dominic Cruz and his dominance, even the fact that he was out for so long. Yeah, also, like – it it kind of tells you a little bit about someone when they win a title and then they go, you know what? I've defended it a couple times. I'm going to retire now. I've gotten to the peak. It's like, well, if you're at the peak, why wouldn't you want to just stay at the peak? The, th- the, the best thing that- fighters get to the peak, stay at the peak, and then they go, you know what? I want more. And then eventually I'll retire. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing with Cejudo is he really believes that when people look at his legacy – it's not necessarily the UFC championships. It's that Olympic gold medal. Yeah. Which I, I think that's what he feels. He feels he's the greatest of all time already because he's got these belts and that Olympic gold medal, which I don't really know how to quantify right. it because it's just wrestling. It's not all of these disciplines. It's not, I don't know how to quantify the gold medal in terms of all these other things. Yeah. I think – and going back to the whole, like, I mean, if you want to talk about really someone who, who went, if you want to talk about somebody who really was like, hey, guess what? I was a double who who got a belt in two divisions and arguably is the greatest of all time in MMA, as Sajudo is trying to claim he is. He's going into the Hall of Fame, George St. Pierre. Yeah. And that's let's, the greatest of all time. That's he's he's either in the discussion or is the greatest of all time. I and mean, we, I mean, let's get to GSP. Him going to the Hall of Fame, perfect guy to be inducted into this class. Probably one of the greatest Canadian athletes of all time, if not the greatest. Oh, yeah. And the same with the greatest of all time. He probably is no question. Two belt holder, a guy who was just addicted to the sport, really cared about his sport and then the legacy. And then when he came back and fought Bisping for the middleweight, which was a was great fight. Way. That was a great fight. I love that fight. I, that was a like, great one. You know, in a, in a sport like MMA and the UFC, where basically everybody hates each other at one point. Yeah. You know when you have basically everybody who, they've, who you have beaten and beat up on and beat up on majorly saying this man is the greatest and also that this man represents like fighting like right. UFC as a sport, well, you know you've done something right. Exactly. Also, I think he probably has, you could say he has like probably five or six of the top ten greatest UFC fights of all time. That is true <laughs> as well. In his resume, I mean. The guy is just incredible. 
and a perfect guy to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. And rightfully so. I think if you're Cejudo wanting to be in the GOAT conversation, uh, you have to compare yourself to a guy like GSP. All right. Congratulations to him and his family for that as well. Yeah. Uh, Moving on to Nganu versus. Francis Ngannou versus Rosenstrike. Or as I like to call it, Francis Ngannou versus why the hell did this guy call him out? This is the <laughs> this is the this is the prime example why you shut your mouth and you don't call out guys who are pissed off because they can't get a damn title fight when they should be getting one. And they were like, fine, I'll beat you down in twenty seconds. So here's the here's the thing, right? As they talk about in the broadcast, if you make a mistake in Francis Ngannou, you're done. The, the, the power is just immense. It's one, was, he's one of the greatest pure strikers in the history of the yeah. UFC already. I was blown away. But here's, here's my thing with Ngannou, right? When he fought, um, when he fought Stipe in that right. title fight the first time, he got mold. Because, why did he get mold? Because, again, as I said with... Uh, with uh, Gaethje against Ferguson, it's, it's that you let him maybe take a few of his shots, but you take him to the ground. Ngannou still doesn't have incredible ground game. And the one time he got a title fight, he was punished for it. And that's yeah. what I worry about with him in a title fight. Yes, he's exciting. Yes, he can knock people out in one punch like crazy. But adding a title fight against guys like Stipe, which, again, that happened, he got mold because the ground game is such an important element of yeah. UFC and MMA. I would make the argument that when he fought Stipe, he was not anywhere near as experienced as he is now. Yeah. Like, I feel like he's developed a lot and like the dude is a stone cold killer when he gets in that cage now. Right. I mean, I, I knew who was winning that fight before I'd even got in the, I like, I was like, this dude wants to murder someone. And then after the fight, when he basically was asked about, I I loved his response when he was asked about the, the heavyweight title basically being like held up at this point. It is because DC and Steepy are not going to fight for a while. And it's like, at this point, you know what I say? You know what I say to, to Dana White? I say, fucking give, give, Freaking DC, one more shot at the belt. Do a do an interim belt between Nganu and DC, or I don't know. Just Stipe is not gonna fight for a long time. He's a freaking first line right. worker right, right now. Right, right, right. Pull the title from him and then and let I don't him know. Fight I don't know about line. pulling the title, but I'm like, if I if I'm DC, I want Stipe. I want Stipe absolutely. Well, he ain't getting Stipe until like September. Right. And that's where it's where it's difficult. And didn't didn't DC? This is where it comes to. When is DC's cutoff t- date? Like right. He, his cutoff date is come and gone. That's what I wonder. Is it? Doesn't make stop. He said he would stop fighting in April. Here, here, here's my thought. Is it just time for DC to be like, I'm great as a commentator, which he is. He's one of the yeah. best commentators, not just in the UFC. I think in all of sports, he's that good. But yeah. I think, it, I mean, at this point, that's how I feel with DC. It's like, I, I don't think, it, I think just retire, hang it up. You're still one of the greatest of all I mean, time. Yeah. You're going to make the Hall of Fame. What have to prove? I don't, I don't understand it. But if, I, if I'm in Ganu, I don't know. Do I fight 
I mean, I think they already fought those Santos, but I don't even know who here would make sense for him to fight. He's fought. Didn't he fight over? He fought Overeem. That's right. He fought Overeem. I don't think he fought those Santos yet. Uh, I don't know if he fought Blades. Literally, Cormier is the Cormier or or Stipe are the only two like, and so, pro, so, are the only two like he like prove it fights that are left right. on the on the docket for him. Maybe Volkanovski. I mean, here's my problem with this fight as well. Why isn't it that this was an interim heavyweight title fight? Like, doesn't this fight make a lot more sense if it was just an interim heavyweight title fight? And then Ngannou would have won. in no name. I know, but it's like because it's some dude who is not who hasn't even. He's I mean, not he's, on the, he's, he's a, not in the he's top in the ten. Second he's, year, his second year in the UFC. Yeah, right but now, he doesn't. So. What what has he done to to deserve an a title shot? Yeah, I I don't know. Like I guess they should just give him the interim belt just to give it to him. I don't. Yeah, know. I mean, fuck it. I mean, also if it was, it was. I thought it was pretty amusing hearing. DC being like, I ain't afraid of no one, but like, uh, you, you I'm like, you should be. <laughs> All right, Stevens and Calvin Qatar. Uh, uh, what's your thoughts on this fight? Uh, dude got rocked. Yeah. As I said, damn, Daniel. Yeah. I mean, he got absolutely rocked. Just blood everywhere. Look, I, I wonder if Stevens is at a point where he's not – he was at, you know, a couple of years ago at that spot where it's like, okay, he can go for a title, and then he kind of fell off. I'm not sure yeah. if he's on the upturn as a guy like Calvin Qatar. Uh, I feel like this was – to be honest, featherweight bouts really never get me that interested because it's just two, like, super light dudes, like, throwing punches at each other. Yeah, compared to the heavyweights for you? Compared to, like, the very next bout, which was just, like, two big dudes just yeah. knocking. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think Qatar's up on the up-and-up in the division, and with a great knockout, uh, he's definitely a- in yeah. a good spot moving forward. Greg Hardy and Jorgen DeCastro. So, we were... On- what a disaster. I- honestly, we were kind of... I think we were pretty upset with this fight. This, it is that fair? Yeah, this didn't seem like a main card fight. No, it did not. I think it was just there as like, oh, Greg Hardy's on. You, you know about him. Yeah. That's, you know. And to be honest, DeCastro didn't even really have that great of a fight in the first round to begin with. I thought he had a, I thought he had a first round that if he kept it going, he easily would have won. Well, I mean, yeah, but like, to me, you don't just stop. Right, and like, he basically like folded and started the second round. Yeah, I get. Also, as someone said on Twitter, if you're gonna stop like that, you might as well pull yourself from the fight. Yeah, like if you're just gonna hobble around and not really do anything. Yeah, Hardy didn't really do anything special in this fight. I, I don't. It's it was just a boring fight. It it wasn't yeah. that great. All right, let's go to the uh, prelims. Uh, prelims. Anthony Pettis, Donald Cerrone. Jeez. Surprisingly decent fight. It was really good. Um, yeah. I don't know how I feel about the future of Donald Cerrone. Uh, uh, he's a UFC Hall of Famer, but after... Cerrone needs to get himself someone to just beat up. <laughs> kind of like what Conor McGregor did with Cerrone. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I think Cerrone, you know, after the Connor fight and after this, I think there has to be some feeling of reevaluation in terms of where he's at in that division. Uh, Honestly, Anthony Pettis. Anthony Pettis versus Donald Cerrone to me just felt like a, these are two guys who used to be like on the main card all the time and now. I mean, they were on the prelims because this card is stacked. Yeah, that would have been in. Like, it was a great fight. They both went at each other, but at the end of the day, Pettis got it done, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Olenek and Verdum. Olenek had some excellent punching power throughout this entire fight. Yeah. Can we talk about how big Olenek's or- ears are? <laughs> They're He's huge. just a big man overall, man. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought it was a pretty good fight. Um, Verdum, like, I mean, I think, you know, he, he got some good shots, but I was really impressed with the Linux power, man. At heavyweight, to produce that kind of power can help you win fights, and Olinux done that countless times. Yeah. And it showed up in this fight. But, like, like, going back to your thing about the heavyweight division, there's still such a large difference between the top three guys in the heavyweight. Than anything else, And then yeah. someone like these guys, you know? Right. Uh, Carla Esparza, Michelle Waterson. I love watching these two fight uh, just in general. Uh, whenever they're on, I really enjoy their fights. I think Esparza was just the better fighter throughout. Uh, the fight was pretty, I guess, cerebral is the word. Like, they, they kind of just moved around and picked their spots to get shots. And I think Esparza just kind of did that better throughout all three rounds. Yeah, I didn't really watch much of this one because I was getting water <laughs> and getting my burrito. But Probably, a, a, I mean, honestly, that wasn't one of the best fights of the card. But I just, I felt like they were both just picking their spots and getting yeah. leg kicks and figuring out just how to, not really how to knock each other out, but how to get through all three rounds. And Esparza just did that better. Yeah. Um. And then in the welterweight, this fight, I think, deserves fight of the night. I honestly do. Really? Yeah, I do. Uh, I mean, the, I'd for, just like to point out that Price got poked in the eye. Or, no, that was, uh, that was uh, Cowboy. Yeah. But I, I will say that I think that both of them, like, I couldn't really figure out who won the fight until the end. Like, they just both yeah. kind of went at each other compared to the other fights where it was like a knockout or one guy just kind of hitting. Uh, the other yeah, guy and getting the knockout. Also, this was three rounds of like stand and bang. I was, I remember saying at one point, I was like, my shins hurt from watching this. Just like, yikes. Yeah. In, in terms of another thing that I kind of want to talk about in terms of this entire card is I really love fights where guys kind of use leg kicks, right? Like, mm-hmm. The ability to use leg kicks to to help um, you know get some punches off. Like I really feel like that's such an underrated thing in the UFC on the stand up game, and I think it showed in this card, especially just how important leg kicks are. Yeah, because I think it's honestly so underused by so many fighters. Well, I mean, you saw so many so many uh, fights tonight where guys were being hobbled by leg kicks like right just continuously kicking them in the leg i mean you think that they it would be used more often because like think about getting kicked in the leg over and over and over and over and over again for a good like three minutes right wouldn't that would that would start to hurt 
you know. Pretty bad. It's just something I've always thought about with the UFC. It's like using yeah. the leg kicks. I love when fighters do that. And I think it was it was pretty much showcased uh, throughout the whole card. Any other thoughts for you about this entire card and sort of how the event was done as a whole? Uh, I think the event seemed to go off pretty well. Apparently, there's another two two events. Yeah, two more cards next week. Two more cards next uh, week, Wednesday yeah. and Saturday. I think we're supposed to get a women's uh, yep. title match. A featherweight title yeah, uh, coming featherweight. up soon um, at UFC 250 with yeah. Amanda, um, Amanda Nunes, who's the quintessential GOAT. Also, uh, apparently... Uh, against Felicia Spencer. Ooh, apparently, they're still talking about... Uh, I keep hearing stuff about Fight Island. Yeah, Fight Island, I don't know where that's headed. At this moment, you know, if Fight Island happens. They need to call it. That needs to be the title for the pay per view. UFC, UFC Fight, Fight Island. Island, and then just have flames coming out of the island. I I'm really interested to see how the island is gonna work. Just create uh, like a Mortal Kombat style tournament with all the best UFC fighters of the past. Like like, like UFC one, just to do like my a God, tournament. yes. Just out of the shadows, you just see George St. Pierre. He's like, I may have retired, but I am back to kick all of your butts. I, I am I'm I'm really excited for Fight Island. We probably won't see it till next month, but Jacksonville, Florida, I think. Um it was strange, uh, how Florida was like sports with a national television audience is essential business, but whatever. I mean, I'm good with it. I'm good. Um, it was good to see sports. Absolutely. I think that was kind of the biggest thing for us. I was getting a chance to really sit down and watch some sports, especially a big card like this. Everyone yeah. was tuning in, even like non-hardcore MMA fans. So it was definitely a fun one. And you got to give it to Dana White. I mean, the man knows how to advertise his product. Oh, heck yeah, man. So. This was a card that everyone was really into. Um, it was stacked. I mean, it was absolutely stacked. It's something you don't see in the UFC much in the UFC on ESPN era. Stacked cards, fun cards like this. There's usually some cards that are, you know, the, the main fight's good, but then the rest isn't very good. And, and that sometimes can yeah. be the case with pay-per-views as well. Uh, but uh, with the situation that we are under, um, because of all these other cards being taken out of the slate, to be able to move that those fights into this card was huge. And it just oh, created yeah. a card where we kind of sat down and went, this is going to be a great night of fights. It created mega card. It was basically a mega card. Uh, I just want to see the UFC have more cards like this, man, because, um, you know, before the ESPN era, it, it wasn't like, like it was like, you know, there were some pretty bad cards, but overall most of the pay-per-views yeah. were fairly stacked. I don't think that's been the case in the last like few months of this deal. And I think that uh, this this hopefully is a good indicator of why these stack cards are really important for the UFC. Well, I, I think you got a lot of – I think one of the reasons why you got a lot of, of stacked cards back in the day is because they didn't have as many consistent fights. Yeah, but it's different because I think with the Fox era, for most of that era, the pay-per-views were just pretty top-notch, even towards yeah. the end. And then with ESPN, it was like we're starting with some top fights because we're like, this is ESPN, this is ESPN Plus. Right. But then I, I think it sort of tapered off. So hopefully that this is sort of a catalyst for more pay-per-views with top-notch 
stacked cards, even in the prelims. Yep. Well, uh, it was fun. Uh, I'm guessing we'll probably catch one or one or two of the fights of the cards next week. Yeah. Um, it's maybe uh, we'll talk about it. Um, maybe. I mean, well, I think we'll talk about it on the regular show. We probably, probably will do this for more pay-per-views uh, to come. I mean, um, if there's a big pay-per-view down the line, I'm always down to... Yeah, I think we'll do this mostly for pay-per-views because I think that's where it makes the most sense. Yeah. Uh, a straight fight card, not as much. But uh, it was a great night. It was a really fun night of fights. And uh, thank you, Brandon, for joining me for uh, for the yeah. for our post-show uh, special. I'm definitely intrigued to see what UFC 250 brings us. Yeah, the card isn't that crazy from initial look. But again, we're... We don't have a location. We don't have a, like a particular date. I don't think so. Yeah. I think a lot will change uh, with that card, and uh, we'll see. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for joining us. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you on Friday with a regular show. We're going to start with the NFC West. We are going back to our NFL division previews. We're doing it much earlier this year. Uh, but we're going to have a lot of fun with that. We are going to start with the NFC West uh, next week. So talk some Seahawks, talk some Niners, talk some Cardinals, talk some Rams. I know we're really big, obviously, uh, living here in Seattle in the NFC West. So that should be a really fun and spirited conversation. Yep. All right. All right. Talk to everybody soon. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend to you, Brandon. And hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. And we will see you guys on Friday.